1: Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt.
0: And welcome everyone to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by taking a nice deep breath and calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to all of those who bring that which is good and true and beautiful from our ancestral lines. These true ancestral helping spirits who are here with us to support the living in doing what we are called to do in our own time. I ask these ancestors to help us to remember that which is strong and true and eternal and helps us to have the practices to be good humans. And I ask these ancestors also to whisper in our ear and help us to understand where we need to go beyond where they went, to do things differently, to innovate, to create change, to transform, and to be the true medicine of our time. And I ask our ancestors to help us to feel the wisdom in our own hearts to know the difference. And as these human ancestors gather around us, let us reach through those humans into the non-human ancestors all around us, all those many manifestations of life, that great diversity of that spark of life all around that is in nature in its many forms all around us every day. And we call out to these ancestors who were here long before there were humans and will be here long after. We call out to these energies to come and help us to understand more deeply our own true nature, to find the essence of our own soul, and to let that resonate deeply within us and guide us in our efforts here as part of this great web of life. And we ask these non-human ancestors to help us to remember when our humanness is leading us astray. And help us return to this larger family that is life on Earth and understand our place in supporting that great expression, diverse and beautiful, of life here on our planet. So let us call these ancestral helping spirits and their many forms in to gather around us and then focus our awareness to gather ourselves from wherever we might be into our head, from our head down into our heart from our heart even deeper down into our belly. And from this deep place within ourselves, let us connect with the earth and with this day. We give gratitude to the special magic of this day and to the special magic of being alive. We give gratitude for the deep compassion in the earth's dreaming that anything that needs to change here can still be changed as long as we are all still breathing. We give gratitude to the earth as we begin to dive down through all the layers of the earth, letting our gratitude pour out as we go, giving thanks to the earth for the great abundance that we all share and call life as we reach all the way down to the very center of the earth and anchor ourselves firmly there. And let us take a moment and sink deeply in these energies that restore, these energies that are before the abundance that we experience here on the surface. These energies that draw their power from darkness, from silence, from solitude, from stillness. And let us reach deeply into these energies and draw them up into our lives, into ourselves to draw up restoration, replenishment and nourishment. Call up these energies that carry the wisdom of manifestation, how to be here in form in a good way. And we ask the energies of the earth to help us to understand connection and interconnection and all of the many multiple relationships and multiple layers that we are experiencing at all times. We call out to the energy of the earth to hear our gratitude and help us to ground, to ground into ourselves, to know who we are, to know where we stand and to know what we stand for. And may we reach deeply into this experience to understand what has heart and meaning in our own life and to allow these things to guide us in our actions in the world. May they inform our sense of home, our sense of belonging, and may we challenge ourselves to open to those we see as other and invite them into our home, invite them to our table and allow that which is different than who we are in this moment to provoke us to grow into being an even better version of the man or the woman that we were born to be. And as we call out to these energies, let us begin to draw the energy of the earth in and ask that we come into right relationship with all aspects of ourself, with our environment, with the people around us, with life around us, with the invisible world. And as we come into right relationship with all things, let us have that one blessed moment in this day where we actually feel that great fabric, the oneness, and take our sense of right relationship from our place within that all that is. And let us draw our energy up from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind as we complete the journey rising up out through the sky and whatever weather it holds for you, out through the atmosphere as it moves on and out into the cosmos, all the way up, passing through all the heavenly bodies and the great mysteries of our universe. We reach to the highest energy, that divine energy, by whatever name you call it, however way you understand it, connect with it. And it with you, know yourself within it as part of that great radiant force that radiates down from above. And in this way, as we call this energy down into our life, let us draw into our lives the power of blessing, the power of protection. A power of inspiration and illumination and we draw in in this way the great benevolence of our universe. And as we call these energies down into our head, into our heart, into our belly and send them all the way down to the very center of the earth. Let us take a moment and just feel that deep connection of the earth rising and the sky descending and these two great legendary lovers coming together in this wholeness that gives birth to all this life that we are part of. And may that big love that is the heaven and earth together, may it inspire us to open our own heart. And in our hearts, may the spirit of our heart awaken that powerful crucible of transformation that lives in the human heart. And let us call up the fiery passions of our belly that know why we uniquely are here in this life and draw that up into the crucible and draw down the crystal clarity of the mind that helps us to create and understand and learn and figure out how you're going to do that thing you have come here to do. And as these energies mix and merge in the heart, may their tension between the two of them and their very different ways of being give birth to that third and sacred thing, which is some understanding, perhaps just an inkling, Maybe just a memory or a sense of why you are here. And may you reach deeply into your human heart and find the courage to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those unique gifts into the world. And for the enormous amount of spirit help that we all have to do precisely that, to bring our gifts into the world, I give great thanks. May what needs to be said be said here today, and what needs to be heard be heard, and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is truly good for all living things. I want to give a special thank you to those wonderful living people out there who have been able to donate financially to the show, Why Shamanism Now is listener-supported, and has been now since 2012. And so I give thanks to Stephen and Craig, to Sarah and Lucas, Amy, Christopher, Katrina and Leslie, and all the listeners that are able to donate financially. You help me to keep the show on the air live and also available to anyone who can get onto the internet in the archives. And so I'm enormously grateful for those of you that um, have figured out how to go to whyshamanismnow.com. You're willing to click on that uh, support button and donate any amount, large or small. It all goes directly to keeping this show on the air. And we are um, enormously grateful for your support. And I want to encourage people that are not able to donate financially who do find themselves moved one way or another by the show to find something that you can do, large or small, to help the show to grow via your own work and questions about working with these ideas on the show, perhaps your own ability to spread it through your social network, whatever it might be. Please consider – that these shows are not offered for you to passively consume them, but they are offered in a way to provoke you to engage. And I invite you to do that most shamanic of things, which is to allow those things that move you in the heart to motivate your actions in the world and to do something to help the constant um, exchange of energy that allows these shows to stay alive and real. So thank you, everyone. Speaking of alive and real... Um, We are live here today, and we're moving on to part three of Are We Changing the Spirit World with Kelly Harrell. Welcome,
1: Kelly. Thank you. It's good to be back with you.
0: Yeah, I'm very excited. So for those of you that don't know, Kelly is an author and a neo-shaman living in North Carolina. She has been on a shamanic path for over 20 years, works locally and with an international client base. She incorporates other trainings, other ways of knowing, and modalities into her shamanic practice, which can be found at Soul Intent Arts. She is the author of several books, including Gift of the Dreamtime, Awakening to the Divinity of Trauma, and Teen Spirit Guide to Modern Shamanism, a beginner's map charting an ancient path, which is pretty good for not-teens as well, just any kind of beginner, But nonetheless, these can all be found at soulintentarts.com. And Kelly writes uh, a syndicated column, Intentional Insights, Questions and Answers from Within. She is a contributing writer for Huffington Post and a contributing book reviewer for Sage Woman and Beltane Pages. She is also the proud founder of the Safe Room Project, a nonprofit support network for sexual assault survivors There are partners, families, and friends. And she joins us today to continue this conversation we have been having based on um, Kelly's own experiences reaching out to the spirit energies around her. So we'll dive into that in just a minute. I just want to remind you, you are welcome to call in if um, you have questions about today's topic, 512 Seven seven two one nine three eight, 1938 or you can Skype in from the co-creator network.com site. You can also reach Kelly at soulintentarts.com or simply Kelly K-E-L-L-E-Y H A R R E L L.com. Um, all right. So here we are once again, Kelly. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So let's do a quick recap for those who might not have heard part one and part two. Oh, and and those of you who would like to hear part one and part two, especially after you're so inspired by us today, you can go to Why Shamanism Now. Just go to the guest tab and just scroll down to Kelly's name. It's the easiest way to find the other two episodes um, in the archives. Okay. So let's – sort of sum up part one and part two. So Kelly, would you like to just share what was the experience that sort of got us moving here um, as you started to collect into that fleeting spirit of westernized racism in your area?
1: Um, I guess in- initially the experience for me started as realizing the nature spirits of where I live were becoming less accessible. And and I was perfectly willing to personalize that, right? Because that's what we do. Until I started talking to other people around the country and, and in some cases around the world who expressed the same thing, that their um, their helping spirits were becoming less and less reachable and that the nature spirits of their place less reachable. And this sort of compounded with the social experience of us um, <laughs> being less reachable to each other. And perhaps specifically in terms of the, the microaggressions that we experience with each other, that um, these larger experiences of racism, of othering, I think you can say othering in general, but specifically to racism, that these um, experiences spider way back into our spiritual lineages, ancestral experiences, and, and in large part, our relationship to our immediate animistic communities. And they can't be separated from how we are seeing racism in our social lives every day. so
0: kelly let's let's talk a little bit about what you know really kind of flesh out what it is that you mean by immediate animistic community because this is a whole nother issue within shamanism yeah. as well, yeah and then we'll circle back
1: so, okay um. Your immediate animistic community, I I don't know what else to call it. There may be some existing phrase that best describes that. For me, that is where you stand. That is the spiritual presence of where you stand. And that phrase, where you stand, is the sole guiding principle of my work with other people now in the intensive as uh, a mentor. Everywhere you go, is is a spirit world there, it, it is the spirit world You are part of it You are not separate from it You engage it with every step that you take However, that's not been incorporated As part of our understanding of modern shamanism It, it really has been completely avoided If not omitted Yet, you can't experience The depth of what shamanism is or what the role of shaman, of shaman comprises until you're deeply rooted in the spirits of where you live. And, and that may be your front yard. It may be the spirits you pass through, walk over and engage as you get to the mailbox every day. And it may also be your bioregion, the, the main nature place where you live. That's what I mean when I speak to your animistic community. When we don't have that connection individually, we are missing a vital part of our own personal support as a shaman, because we're not meant to do this in a bubble, but we're also missing the point where it jumps off into the larger animistic community, which is everybody else, the world, and beyond. So,
0: so in my, so I'm sitting here looking out the window, and so I'm looking at, so there's the the actual spirits of the actual plants that are in my backyard, There, but there's also the larger energetic um, spirits of nature in the backyard that are not specifically, you know, moving around in the rosemary bushes of the neighborhood, but But there is, uh, because I have open elemental shrines, there's Mm -hmm. earth, air, fire, and water back here. And then there's the interesting issue of um, conflict right now with a neighbor over our property lines and the plants that are growing on each side of the line and, and, and of course, don't give a shit about the line and are growing into each other's, quote-unquote, property. And and what's that about, right? Right. And And then there's this, the bigger energy of you know as you said there's the spirits of the region in terms of like in my part of the world in the pacific northwest of north america there's you know great snow-capped mountains right now deep ocean going rivers mountain ranges the coast of the forest even the spirit of the forest is what stood is still fairly palpable here um and yet there's also in that, you know, in between my intimate spirits here with me on the land on which I live and tend, and these bigger ones, the mountains and the rivers, etc., there's all this human stuff in between.
1: Exactly. We we leave humans out of part of the animistic community. It's it's too yeah. easy to do that.
0: Yeah. And, and then we haven't even gotten into what happens as a as a practitioner who's, who then, you know, has some sort of cast of characters of helping spirits coming in. And so then, so I guess part of what I'm trying to illustrate for listeners is that, um, you know, going into your journeying and your work with this idea that there's some pristine... Um, upper world and lower mm-hmm. world and this middle <laughs> world that you've been taught to be afraid to go into, and um, is is part of what I've called in the past the shamanic playpen. Yes, I mean to inc- you know, and that and that it's not a bad place to start. It is really an insufficient place to presume to practice.
1: Guess, That's well said. It, yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. So. So this is so this is we're going to be talking about animistic community and and this today and so I just wanted to make sure that y'all were thinking about this and tracking this for some of you you're like duh we already get it but others have never thought that their shamanic practice would ground in something beyond the experience they're personally having journeying to the upper world and the lower world and. There's a problem yeah. with that.
1: There's Long a huge term. problem with that. The, the middle, yeah. I don't like the phrase middle world. It's not one that yeah. I use for myself, but I use it in teaching because it's, it is, it's what people know. It's very accessible, mm-hmm. but it, that middle strata is not taught. It isn't given the, the weight that the other spiritual layers of experience are. And it's, um, it's such a shame because that's where you are. That's where you've mm-hmm. always been, and it's the one that you know best, and it's the one that you have to be able to survive in every day. You cannot bypass it. Yeah, yeah.
0: And let's be clear, to continue to practice without it is a bypass.
1: Exactly. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, really?
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. so Yeah.
0: Yeah, so circling back, so, so this, so this um, part one, we, we were exploring this possibility, and obviously the, the answer was yes you are, this possibility that we in our actions and inactions could begin to affect this interface between humans and the invisible world. And basically we bothered to ask the question because we were actually experiencing the answer is yes, we are affecting it faster than our own learning and education is growing to, to be more conscious about that. At least that was partly what I was thinking about is we're yes. not getting smart fast enough, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, okay, so then in our second episode… Uh which was in June of last year. Um, I believe we talked about impatience.
1: <laughs> I think we might have touched on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so and so what was kind of the essence of the second of our second step along this conversation?
1: Well, if I'm remembering correctly, it was um, get your shit done. It was pretty much it. It it was the the holes in your practice. If you don't know what they are, it's time to identify them. And if you know what they are, then it's time to get on it. We need you now. We need you working. We need you part of the contributing team. As an individual and as networked in your community, we need you now. Yeah.
0: And so a piece of that was was starting to name another Bypass, which actually we are not remotely the first to name. I believe James Hillman named it first. I don't know how long ago he did that in his famous declaration that psychotherapy is self-masturbation at some sort of conference (laughs) or something like that. (laughs) But just this idea that that putting our shamanism in a box of self-help is a bypass as well. Not that we don't need to help ourselves, not that we don't need to heal, that's not the point, but, but limiting the power and potential of where we would go or what we would do with shamanism in our life is, um, in, in that self-help box, was really pretty much missing the bigger
1: point. Right. It's, it may be shamanic, but it is not functioning in the role of shaman. Yes. Yes.
0: Okay and and so then we move into this really interesting realm, which I feel like only exists in our life because we, as a culture, no longer initiate our children into adulthood. And so our scale, our our experiential scale for what it means or can mean, to be a fully functioning, emotionally mature, spiritual adult in our world, our, our, our calibration for that is just way, way off because we are so, so long away from systematically um, understanding our responsibility to in, to initiate our young. And so consequently, people treat every single transformation they have as if, oh my God, this is my initiation. <laughs> Yeah, Every single big transformation. And you know, people, from a shamanic perspective in many shamanic cultures, it is the nature of life to fall away from your center. And that you will experience big transformations, big dreams, big life experiences that, that help you course correct and get back. And that's called being human. It, it doesn't mean anything more than that. And if you're not experiencing that, that's another big bypass. So it's important that we are experiencing these transformations. But understanding these transformations, beginning to participate in them skillfully, beginning to create them intentionally because we recognize now that we need them, that, that whole um, – these are whole realms we need to be willing to move into. Which we aren't going to move into if we're just still looking at this as my own personal process. I'm kind of doing this in a silo. And every transformation is, did this initiate me? Did this initiate me? Did this initiate me?
1: It's like, Absolutely. well, if you're still asking that
0: question, the answer is no.
1: <laughs> I see it every day. And, and maybe that speak, I don't know. I, I like to participate in different forums of shamanism. Because I want to know what the conversation is and I, I find myself getting really frustrated with that because that that is the conversation exactly. You just nailed it.
0: And it and, and the thing is, it given given what we're really talking about today, whether or not you are personally called as a shamanic healer isn't even the point today.
1: No it The isn't. point
0: today is that we are all, could all potentially be shamanic practitioners, people that engage in these practices and and they can be a different flavor I mean you can have your pagan shamans and your Christian shamans and your Jewish sh- you know, it's like, but not right. shamans as in the, the role of the healer but as a person who is understanding this technology we call shamanism is the technology of engaging with all of our communities around us, be they embodied or not. Yes. And being, and coming and understanding what is necessary to come into right relationship with them as individuals, but then to actually create communities that can then do something in a concerted effort. Um, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> but, basically, I think step two on our journey here was just frustration. <laughs> And, uh, that's a good and, summary.
1: Yeah.
0: Right, and starting to talk about we we need to address this frustration and move through it. And and yes. and move into this place where we as individuals are not so focused on am I being initiated as the shaman, but are more focused on how am I being affect or how can I be even more effective as a practitioner of this these skills. In my life, personally, and with others, and it's the "and with others" piece that yes. I think is is now starting to show up in bold and italics. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So here we are, many months later down the road, and um, what what I uh, what I want to share today now is that is to is just Kelly for you to share how you have been. Successfully, you know, moving through that confusion to the other side of really asking, okay, how do we do this? And um, and right now you have a, kind of a four, uh, sorry, kind of a three-tiered or scaled or somehow I don't quite know what the right word would be for it. But let's talk about that. So let's start at who's doing it with you in the first place.
1: The the group that I work with predominantly are the people who are in the two-year intensive that I teach. And, um, you know, the intensive is geared toward people who really don't know anything about shamanism, but they feel a calling, or people who have maybe taken a class or two and they feel like it's where they're supposed to be directed, but they haven't had the opportunity to really pull it together, to ground it into the role, and to have a group of people, let alone a mentor, who is present for them while they do that through the whole thing, not just during class, but but off hours through the whole thing. That's what my intensive is built on. And so when people complete that intensive, they elect to stay committed to this group that takes on a whole different level of functioning and this is where this approach really starts and what we have been doing as a group is um that that first step of coming into the immediate animistic community what needs to happen there what what is your role in it what do you bring it what does it need from you how do you honor it on a daily basis or, or, or however is, is necessary? What, what does it mean in that regard? You know, um, will it acknowledge you? And that, that's a whole other question that gets a range of answers, because part of what we're dealing with in, as modern shamanists is we didn't originate here. I mean, yeah, maybe I was born in eastern North Carolina, but the reality is my roots of of what makes me connected started in another land really, really far away. And that's where the ancestral work component of this comes in. I guess if, we're, if, if there are steps, that's the second step. I'm not always sure that they're done in that order, but there are two distinct pieces of this. You, you have to be able to do the ancestral work that acknowledges while you may have been born here and raised here, this is still not your native animistic community. And so how are you going to make the peace with that fact? How, how are you going to do the ancestral work that brings your lines to the present so that you can be wherever you are and be effective in that animistic community? That's that's the crux of the work that we focus on. And that isn't something that happens quickly. It's not something that happens at the same pace. It it may be a lifetime of work. It doesn't mean that there isn't significant um, improvements and strengthening done in these relationships. But this is your life. (laughs) This is what you commit to as being an animistic person in the role of shaman. This is what you do. This is what it looks like, and you are not meant to do it by yourself. That—that's the focus of the work that we're doing right now.
0: Okay, and so as you, you just to granulate here a little bit more for people. So, one of the things then, if we look at like the kind of the the beginning of looking at this ancestral issue, as you shared it is. Um, you delineate it out, right? So we have the guilt and shame, or whatever our relationship is with the with our, our history of colonization exactly. of uh, and 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 then there's the whatever what is that history? Then there's there's the the aspect of to what degree am I a victim of that, and then to what degree am I a benefactor? Of that, and to and to to be willing to have the patience, but also in in, in a sense the stomach, <laughs> the strength of heart, yes, to to look honestly at this and and recognize w- what is true historically, and to take responsibility for it as we are able to through shamanic technologies, um, but also. Um, To recognize um, the resistance to doing that is coming from systems wanting to stay the same around us which we know around us daily must change and so there is it's not just you and your personal resistance to doing it it's it's the systems themselves have a certain momentum and there is a pushback and it's important to be able to name that pushback what it is and just do your work you know and not let it stop you not let it create um, a fear monster that is not real
1: And I think that's the really scary part of ancestral work for so many people. Because the the first part of it is people say, "Um, yeah, I don't want to do that. I I know there were bad people in my line and I don't want anything to do with them. Okay, cool. Um, But that's that's now. We're talking a few thousand (laughs) years down the line where there were people in your line that did know how to do what you need in your life right now. And, and that's what we have to get to, and that's what we have to remember in order to stomach the things that we all have in our ancestral lines, which is at some point being the slaveholder and the slave. I mean, it's all in there somewhere, and understanding how those roles that, that are very much you know part of our vibration, they're part of our etheric being, how that impacts how we live now. Because when we understand that, we we can step out of the system and we can approach the system as a soul being in and of itself. And that's where our group work as a community begins working on that bigger systemic soul. You, you just can't tilt that with a toothbrush by yourself. You, you're never going to do it. You have to have a community effort to address something that big.
0: And, and part of the reason for that, it, it, I mean, I completely agree. And part of the reason for that is that many of these things have been so present in our family's reality for so long. We are quite literally blind and deaf to them. And sure. And it actually takes and someone outside yeah. of it, yeah, to go, hey, <laughs> look at that. You're like, what?
1: And it, to and say it, 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 that it's okay it to look that. at. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a And so I want to take a, a step
0: out, out for just a... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to take a step out because I I didn't uh, take a minute and clarify for people that you are doing this
1: work with people all over,
0: right? Yes. This is not you know just people in North Carolina.
1: That's right. And, you know, one of the biggest um, questions people have is, you know, how do you find a mentor? How, how do you find somebody to do this work with? Well, you're on the Internet asking me this question. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? It's like, hello. Um, the luxury of somebody right down the street may be very thin. And the reality is, you know, we are scattered all over the place and we can still be incredibly effective as a community. Uh, one of the people in our group says it's like um, it's like the points for acupuncture you know we're, we're all distributed in these places that we're holding down and, and doing work for these animistic communities that ultimately do connect into one larger community and that's the way it's the most effective
0: and so this is this is a, an important piece of um, I think, for for us to understand about part of doing this as a modern practice
1: mm-hmm. is, for
0: now at least, we have this technology that does this amazing thing of allowing us to connect at a distance, sometimes asynchronously, you know, in many, many different ways, and this longing for a time in which, you know, this sort of nostalgia for how <laughs> it used to be.
1: Right. <laughs> that, that we were never,
0: Yeah. You know, it's like it is uh, an excuse to not get with it, given the time you were born into it. I feel like reminding people always, you chose this time. You chose it it, with all of its amazing advances and crazy, gnarly problems. You chose it. You don't want to spend your time here romanticizing about some other time. Yeah, okay, maybe that was a great life.
1: Absolutely, and, and let's just break it down. I have so many people who say to me, um, how do I find a real shaman to learn from? How do I find an indigenous shaman to learn from? And my question to them is, are you an indigenous person? Mm-hmm. Because if you're not, your privilege is blocking you from understanding how flawed that question is from the beginning. So,
0: So then, we're in this place now where we've got people all riled up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Got to question things that they've taken for granted, which were part of our, frankly, our privilege of engaging in shamanism in a particular way. We've romanticized things. We're mm-hmm. sentimental about certain things, and in the meantime, our country here in the United States, at least, elected Donald Trump. And I know that there's, you know, various and sundry other countries in the world that aren't so happy with their fearless leader either. So, in the meantime, people, <laughs> you know, things are going to hell in a handbasket. So right. the. the the point then of of this series is so what are we really being asked to do by our time and so we have this kelly's speaking about this this beginning place of grounding into your relationship with the energies around you and getting yourself into a place through your own work, whether you're doing it yourself, whether you're calling on the community to do it, or specifically the shaman to do it. But basically, you are looking at what healing do I actually need to do myself and in my ancestral line and in my relationships with the animistic community that I am in to be able to now respond and bring my peace to the medicine. How how do I... Let me do what I need to do so I can begin to contribute my peace. Because the medicine for our time is gonna be a collective medicine. There isn't gonna be a savior. Yes. Yeah. An individual. And it's a second coming. I mean that that whole story is to get us to passively sit back and be herded <laughs> to the slaughter. Yeah. Right? That we we are it together. We are not it as as an individual waiting for some super uber shaman to come save everybody, or maybe an alien. Maybe it's gonna. <laughs> anyway, sorry. That's a different um, show. Yeah, right. That's a different show. It, that that you know that we we are the people. We are the living. It is our job to become the medicine. Okay, so next step then is looking at this. You were saying looking at this ring out um, where. It, it's not um, now just me and the influence of, for example, my ancestors on, on me and how I'm experiencing my life and my community around me, but how is this this energy collectively influencing me and now this world that I'm sharing with other people, other beings, other energies, and the influence of these patterns, stories, whatever we want to call them, uh, on the you know when i look up out of my sphere of influence n- now now what <laughs> so, right so you were talking about you know when we go out a ring in the work into this um from this where you know cleaning up where i stand then there's this next piece to work on so for example for you as you look out there's that those tired Um, spirit helpers and this transformed energy of racism needing you know like all of a sudden
1: there's all this stuff going on exactly and it was always going on Mm -hmm. and our ability to be able to tap into that lies in doing this kind of work and then and so In
0: terms of your group, like, is there an example of your group? Well, actually, it might be interesting. Is there an example of your group actually sort of successfully responding to something as a group and then an example of trying and how it fell apart? I'll think I'll try to think of the same
1: myself. I mean, I Um, learn a lot where we try and fail. Absolutely. And and I, I think at this point, we are all still in that healing phase in, in different parts of that healing phase of coming into that animistic community, each in our own places. So I I don't know that we have that, you know, I don't know that we have a success Mm -hmm. or failure to fall back on at this point. Um, I can say that it's not a straight line and there. Mm -hmm. You know, each of us has had points where, we do this work in, in establishing relationship with our immediate nature spirits and we get redirected to some ancestral component that needs to be dealt with. And then that kind of redirects us back to a different angle of the, the animistic community that needs to be dealt with. So I'm, I'm not sure that we are at the point of success or failure yet other than the successes have been progression. It it does continue. Mm-hmm. It does deepen.
0: So I was thinking of a, a kind of a it's a small example from my own uh, community. But ten years ago, we were told, among many other things, at that point in time, to change our relationship, transform our relationship with money,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that got a little backburnered because we had a gajillion other things to do, and yet every time we we dance the vision to bring it in more fully it it, it it always presents itself as an important thing to do And so finally now 10 years in we we have the capacity I think to approach this plus we also have all this marvelous work that Charles Eisenstein is doing out there in the world in the in the big community and um, what was interesting is that prior to this point in time, the, the council of people that this kind of fell under their responsibility for tending in the community, they kept uh, journeying to find out what they could do to change the community's relationship with money and kept doing this as these um, rituals on behalf of. And it didn't work. And it, and, and these rituals were defined you know, divined from spirit, etc. But part of it was not understanding this exact work we're talking about today. What is? How do we guide people in in the individual process of their own relationship with love and money to circle back to then how we change it in the community specifically, and then how we change it in our interactions in our extension outside of the community and on and on. And um, and so we kind of failed miserably making the same mistake over again probably three times, three different years. And now this year, partly because there's other things in the field that we've been able to draw on, we're actually starting um, a four-month experience where people get to engage with with. More in the way that we're talking about, what are the roots of the relationship with love and money that we have? Why are they separate, etc.? Mm-hmm. and moving through this process. So, so I guess that's an example of um, recognizing that these sort of the the magical shamanic spirit fixes were not working. <laughs> you know, we right. actually needed to get dirty and really look at our own stuff. Um yeah, but I was also thinking you know in this in this phase this this next circle out though it is the place where we begin to look at for example I always connect in to the spirit of the forest that once stood here in my neck of the woods which is a temperate rainforest right should be and um and the and the old growth trees that still stand because there are a few and connecting into that but what we haven't done yet as a community here the local part of my community that would be here would be to look at what is our relationship with our ancestors who logged this mm-hmm. land and and with those trees we still turn to to support and yet they're standing as individuals where they used to be a coherent you know, web of energy from, um, you know, from mountain to coast, filling everything, and and that we haven't replanted trees. We're replanting grapes so we can make wine. I mean, you know, it's like it's uh, you know, it's really. What does that mean to the spirits of the land here, and and their own? I don't know. I hate to say destiny. That's such a human term. Their own nature. Their own true nature. Um, I don't know, be interesting to discover that with them.
1: It sounds like you're on the road to discovering that. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then how could that relationship, there's something that's totally the leap here, but this is, I believe, or at least what inspires me in your work, Kelly, is, is that ability to make the intuitive leap that if I could fix my relationship with trees, it would affect my capacity with race relations. You know what I mean?
1: Well, I was going to say I don't want to leave that nebulous. I don't want to leave that like, oh, just go sit with the trees and everything will be fine. I I don't want to. I don't want to bring it up that way because in reality, people's lives are impacted every day, and we are Mm -hmm. responsible for that. And I think this is this could go. We could talk about this forever, but you know, as someone descended from Northern Western Europe. There's a great deal of ownership in my lineage that, that has to be done and cleared in order for me to understand how my people got here and how they participated in the way all of this played out to the dynamic we're sitting in right now. And maybe that's too granular. You know, Maybe I don't have to do every step of that, but, but that's what's on my plate intuitively right now. And I have to be able to have some sense of how my original animistic community was separated through the efforts of the church mm-hmm. through the efforts of colonialism and how I played into that how I fought it i mean you know my people how we fought in you know we fought that and bought into it at the same time and yet wanted to survive we wanted to eat mm-hmm. we wanted to be able to have future generations and so how did that bring me to here the the mm-hmm. the spiritual dynamics of how those things came to be in my line are my responsibility to understand how I show up in the community that I live in right now. And I yeah. don't think that I can connect into, you know, I wasn't born on the land that I walk on every day, the, the animistic community I tread through every day. And and I feel like until I have some understanding of that ancestral and animistic part of my lineage, I can't show up honestly To the ones here Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah and i think i mean the one saving grace i think in what you're talking about when you say you know how detailed does it need to be we don't need to be ocd about it certainly but we need to at least get to the patterns because the thing is there's a lot of ancestors that live the same pattern and it's the pattern that we can get a Mm -hmm. hold of and work with but we do need to get to the patterns I mean, we do need to get down to that level to understand what they are and how often in a line there are even conflicting patterns, and yet they're both manifest in, in the line. Yeah, it's a, it, there's – and I guess the piece that I want to connect is that, as you connected earlier, that if I can change my relationship with the other as in the forest – I am that much better able to change my relationship with any other human I project otherness onto, yes. and that any effort to transform it, uh, shamanically needs to be re- not repurposed but immediately brought into how do I apply this kind of everywhere else? <laughs> you know, it's like right I keep it rolling right. into my actions, my choices, my my thinking about what which Brussels sprouts do I buy and why.
1: Well yeah. And 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 those are the decisions at a spiritual and mundane level that impact the system. That, on both levels.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So
0: we have oh wow, running out of time. So I know, I know. Have, yeah, ah, right. So we have <laughs> but what I mean the beauty of what you were talking about though is that there's still this other level even bigger to talk about which is which is how do we begin okay so let's say we get let's imagine a future next week sometime <laughs> <laughs> um, when we, um, you know, we, we, we've, we've gotten right with ourselves, we've gotten right with these energies and our entire animistic community around us and all of the history that that means all of that, we're into this place, which, which I know in, in my experience as I do the ancestral work, it does change what I can see. And so let's imagine right. we're in this place where we can really start to see these larger shared cultural energies that are perhaps moving through even larger regions and larger times, like time spirits. Um, right. and, and how – because what I'm really interested in right now is can we right now before I'm dead, which is, you know, not that long <laughs> – you know, I mean I think it too. I I'm laughing because I think it too. You know, it's like can I actually have the lived experience of working with a bunch of practitioners who not only have the skills but have this history of these layers of work to actually approach some big shared cultural nasty time spirit that is not supporting life and is not dying fast enough right. you know and and how how would we make literally through our work make that medicine and to me the, the I have the same feeling with this that I have around the issue of climate change which is we're past the tipping point you know sure. this we we need to get there now because now is the time and it's the only time. I mean, it's granted the only time we have, but but it's needed now, and which is partly what makes us, you know, be a little bit bitchy about the whole not getting, you know, staying in the self-help mode of shamanism yes. and not moving on into past how this serves me. Because at that point, we are now serving a client who is not going to pay you, <laughs> you know. I mean, I say right. this all the time about the ancestral work. You know, the dead don't pay.
1: <laughs> exactly. We, yeah, we talk about that in the death work classes that I teach. <laughs> like, this is some of I your mean, biggest work, and guess what?
0: <laughs> and guess what, right? And, um, and so for me, this is, this is the, the conversation that I'm really interested in. Right now, um, and like I said, and and maybe it's entirely self-serving, but I just like to do it once before I die. <laughs> I mean, even if those who live after me go, well, we kind of messed that up, but we tried. I mean, even if it's not a great version, I just want to do yeah. it once. Yeah. So anyway, so so this is this is what this this application of our shamanic for lack of a better word skill set and these technologies of working between the realms and working co-creating with our spirit help co-creating with each other all all of these things that that are particular to a shamanic skill set allow us to do okay so 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 what we're inviting people in the world, frankly, to do if you're interested in going in this direction. What is it that we can do for life and for our world humbly with these skills and to be creative and, and really work this as an art? What, what is the art? How do we make that medicine for our time? So what I'm gonna, why don't you take a minute and just share with people – Like your invitation to work with you. How do they connect with you? What's available to them? Just quickly kind of recap that so people can, you know, get on the Internet and Google
1: and get to you. (laughs) My invitation to work is to find shamanism where you stand, not in another time, not in another place, another culture, right under your feet. That is what I can help you do. That is my calling. That is what's right in front of us now. Um, I, I do this through private mentoring sessions and through a two-year intensive. And honestly, it is my joy. It is what I love doing the most. Um,
0: and it, does the yeah. two-year intensive start again every two years
1: or is it c- concurrent it, groups or how does that work? It starts when you want it to start. It's paced nice. the way you want it. If If it takes you years, that's fine. It's slated to be a two-year program, but it's done at your pacing. Um, enough that you stay accountable in your timing, but not so rushed that you feel overwhelmed and in the company of a tribe of other people who are doing the same thing or who have completed that work and are there to help you get through it yourself. It's not just me. Right. I think it's wonderful that they want to do that. It's not just me showing up to hold that space, but there are other people who hold it for you. And
0: and I feel like this last couple minutes that is one of the most important things to amplify is that I am the epitome of please can I do my shamanism by myself in a cave. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> Truly. And my real education around what is possible began only when a community formed around The work that I do, and I really saw how much everything starts changing when there is a true collective, skilled collective—not just people gathered around a common interest, but more than that. More than that, that commitment to be there for those coming in, to to become elders for that group, to care about the descendants, to be a community that functions in in those uh, realms. Uh, has changed totally totally opened up everything that shamanism gave me as an individual it opened at least that much and more as a collective and I want to echo that and encourage people to begin to look for that in your life and if you're way out in the middle of nowhere you know here's the technology that can allow us to bridge that gap at in our time as long as we have electricity (laughs) so there you go um So, Kelly, thank you again for joining me for yet another hour um, moving this conversation forward. Um, Everybody, you can reach Kelly at soulintentarts.com or simply Kelly Harrell, K-E-L-L-E-Y-H-A-R-R-E-L-L.com. I want to give thanks to wonderful, diverse, beautiful energies that are in your animistic community right where you stand. I give thanks to all of these energies. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. And uh, everybody, have a good week.